hallelujah we love you jesus so um we want to continue with our teaching on christ the ultimate offering and this is a very crucial um subject that we're talking about we began to look at jesus christ from the old testament specifically in the book of leviticus now the book of leviticus uh, leviticus is one of the books many christians don't like anytime most christians are reading that book they begin to doze off and it's simply because we don't really have the light and the right lens with which we view that particular book but it's actually a book of christ and where we understand such divine realities we will appreciate the entire bible praise god um, we began to look at um, jesus christ being the revelation of the old testament anytime you're studying the old testament christ must be your lens if you don't study the old testament in the lens of christ you will always end up confused praise god we explained that the old testament is christ in anticipation the new testament is christ realized we said the old testament was christ coming soon the new testament is christ now available we said the old testament is christ concealed the new testament is christ revealed we said the old testament is christ contained the new testament is christ explained we said the old testament is christ in shadow the new testament in christ is christ in substance we said the old testament is christ in ritual the new testament is christ in reality the old testament is christ in picture the new testament is christ in person praise god so we we said that the bible is a christocentric book that carries a christocentric message in john chapter 5 the verse 39 jesus says ye search the scriptures thinking in them ye may find life yet these same scriptures testify of me and you will not come to me that ye may receive life in other words the testimony of scripture is christ without jesus christ the scriptures has no testimony praise god and we began to um, look at the first offering which was the bent offering very beautiful teaching we had yesterday we said you find a bent offering from leviticus chapter 1 the verse 2 to 9 we said the bent offering was an expression of devotion to god it was also performed to atone for the sins of the people against god number three it was a dedication uh, was a, an offering of dedication of one's life before the lord continually then we also said it was a voluntary act of worship or free will offering expression uh, expressing devotion commitment and complete surrender to god we explained that the bent offering is the first offering amongst the five offerings there are five offerings that god instituted in the jewish nation the first offering was the bent offering the second offering was the meal offering or the grain offering or the meat offering then the third offering was the fellowship offering or what we call the peace offering the fourth offering was the sin offering the fifth offering is the trespass offering now we said the bent offering is first because it typifies how christ wholly gave himself to god in the bent offering everything on about the animal or the ram or the bullock is wholly given to god nothing is left everything is bent 
the intestines, the legs, the head, everything is bent to God. It was holy giving as a devotion to God. And we, we said that it was to picture that Jesus Christ wholly gave himself to God as a bent offering. And we began to look at the qualifications. We, we said number one, the offering must be without blemish. Which was to picture that Jesus Christ was without blemish, was without spot or fault. Number two, we said the offering must be offered according to one's own voluntary will because these three offerings were free will offerings which God did not demand by force. A man willingly chooses to come and give that particular offering. And we said it is to picture that Jesus willingly gave himself without confusion or coercion. Number three, we said you have to put your hand on the head of the animal for the burnt offering. And there's a reason for laying on of hands. We said laying of hands represents two main things. Number one, substitution. And number two, identification. We said substitution is an act of exchange. When hands are laid on an animal, the righteousness of the animal or the innocence of the animal is transferred to the guilty man and the guilt of the sinner is also transferred to the animal. So that is the first meaning of laying on of hands, substitution. We said Christ became a substitute in that he took our place and we took his place. He took our curse and we took his blessing. He took our sin, we took his righteousness. So there was an exchange. We said number two, laying on of hands represents identification. In other words, the value and the worth and the essence of the animal is assumed by the man who lays hands on him. In other words, whatever happens to the animal has already happened to the one who offered the animal. So if the animal died, the one who offered it has also died if the animal rises up the one who offered has also risen up so the value and the essence of the offering becomes an a, a, a assumed place for the one who offered it we said number four um the, uh, number four he shall flay the burnt offering the burnt offering must be whipped and cut into pieces before it is bent it was to picture that jesus christ received stripes on the cross he was beaten he was whipped and it was cut he was cut into pieces before he went to the cross to die number five we said the priest lays the parts of the animal which is the head number one and then um the fat of the animal we said the head is the central communication system where all sensory perceptions are connected the fat is also the choicest part of the animal and the lost portion for the head and the fat to be wholly bent to the lord it was to picture that all the sensory perceptions his sight his eyes his feelings everything was given wholly to god as an offering then also jesus gave his best to god number six we said that god told them to specifically wash the inward part of the animal and then the legs of the animal they were to be washed with water before it was bent we said water signifies purification the inward part signifies inward sentiments and emotions the leg signifies the part of a man with which he has a walk so it was to it was to picture that jesus emotions and his inward virtues were all purified and his walk and life was also purified long before he went to the cross are you seeing this so we explained that in the light of christ and we said the burnt offering is christ wholly giving himself to god but then after there is a response on the side and the part of man in salvation and redemption god gives himself through his son jesus christ wholly for your sin 
so that you can be accepted by God nobody is accepted by God on his own merit on his own works or, his, or on his own conduct you can never be accepted by God by what you do in Ephesians chapter 1 the verse 6 the Bible says to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he had made us so it was Jesus who made us accepted he had made us accepted in the beloved so we explained yesterday that there was a difference between the offerer and the offering the offering came as a sinner and the offering became his atonement if the offering is accepted the offerer can now be accepted so the acceptance of the offerer was not in the offerer but in his offering so if the offerer the offering was rejected the offerer will also be rejected so we said that our acceptance is not on us our acceptance is on the work of jesus so today our confidence in prayer when we are coming to pray is not because we did something good in a week we have confidence because God says we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and receive grace to help us in time of need so this is the revelation that a man must walk with God in because many don't know that your revelation determines your output in your Christian walk the, you see, the kind of life you bring out in your Christian life is determined by the revelation you have so right believing will always produce right living are you following this thing so we said now that christ gave himself to us in redemption now in our christian walk we have to come to the place where we begin to give ourselves to the lord and that is one where we don't strike the balance very well there will be an extreme which we have today in the grace community so people just boast in the fact that jesus gave himself and they end there I explained to you that sodium chloride, sodium chloride makes salt, right? But sodium on its own is poison. Chloride on its own is poison. When you put them together, it forms salt, which is for preservation. So two poisons come together to produce a compound that brings preservation. Now, when you take the finished work of Christ alone and you carry only that to be the basis of your Christian walk, it can be poison. I didn't say it is. I said it can be. Because you may carry only that revelation without responsibility. If you also carry all the responsibility on you that you must do to be accepted, that is also poison. So you first receive the finished work on the basis and on the foundation of what Christ has done, now you find out what to do and do it. Have you seen that? So, we find out what was done before we know what to do. You cannot do until you know what is done. So, it is in only the finished work that can finish your life well. I'm teaching good here. So, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, maybe we can have that in amplified version. He says, By this we come to know progressively, to recognize, to perceive, and to understand the essential love that He laid down His life for us. You see, the Bible didn't end there. 
Because there are many people who are only boasting on the fact that Jesus laid down his life. He died for me. He forgave my sin. That's true. That's awesome. But you don't end there. Whatever God gives us today is a seed and he expects fruit. So he says that he laid down his own life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for those who are brothers in him. This is what completes it. He laid down his life. Now we lay down our life for him and for others. How do we lay ourselves? As burnt offerings to God. So Jesus laid himself willingly without coercion as a burnt offering offered to God and to us so that we can now also willingly yield the members of our body as burnt offerings to God to worship, serve him and live for him. In Romans chapter 12, the verse 1, in Amplified Version, you're going to see some beautiful thing there. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So the believer has a role. Christ presented his body so that the goal will be that you will also present your body back to him. Are you following this thing? If you don't meet this requirement in your Christian journey, I'm sorry you may not come to spiritual growth. Until your life is wholly given to God. Your thoughts, your hands, your will, your emotions are all consecrated to God. And that is what many Christians don't get. There is a difference between redemption and consecration. Redemption was worked down by Christ. Consecration is what you do in that knowledge to bring glory and honor to God. You decide to also separate yourself to live the uncommon life you have been called. That's consecration. So in Romans chapter 6, verse 11, please follow this. The Bible says, Likewise, recall ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive here. If you want to give your life to Christ, come. You did not have a life. You were dead. That's right. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you who were dead in trespasses and sins. So you, didn't, you were not alive. So you can't give your life to Christ. You receive the life of Christ. Because he gave his life. But you see, after salvation, you cannot give your life to Christ. Follow. You can only give your life to Christ after you are saved. Or you can only give your life to Christ after you have received his life. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the verse 5. Now watch this. This is talking to believers. It's an epistle to believers. He says, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. Listen. Until you have given yourself to the Lord, your money means nothing to God. There are many who give money and don't give themselves. God wants you. He says, but first, give their own selves to the Lord. And unto us by the will of God. So there is a place for consecration in the believer's life. He must live a life that is set apart. He must live an uncommon life. That is when that life becomes an offering to God. I'm teaching good. Yes, 
Listen, I'm going to throw you some bomb. Are you ready for it? Now, there were three degrees of offerings that were offered. And the degrees were not the same. The first degree was the bullock. The second degree was the sheep or the goat. The third degree was the turtle dove. The first degree was the bullock. Second degree was sheep or goat. Third degree was turtle dove. Now, in the burnt offering, depending on your capacity, if you have enough capacity, you give a bullock. If you have medium capacity, you give a sheep or a goat. If you don't have that capacity, you give a turtle dove. That's a bed. So it all depends on the offerer's capacity and the offerer's appreciation. So listen. How we all give our lives to the Lord is not the same. Some give turtle dove. Others give sheep. Others give bullock. It's in sizes. Giving ourselves to the Lord is in size. There are some who give themselves more than others. I pray you graduate from turtle dove. We give ourselves to the Lord in bull size. I can tell you for a fact, Apostle Paul gave himself in bull's eyes. This is a man they prophesied to him that the Jerusalem you are going, they will bind you and kill you. And the, and the church said, don't go, Paul. He says, hey, don't break my heart. I'm not only willing to go and suffer there, I'm willing to die for the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 21. I'm sure you as a Christian, you will say that, no, 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 no. We must all preserve our life for the future. So you see, we are not the same. Listen. John says, I must decrease. He must increase. If Jesus is not increased in your life, you can't give yourself more to him. Is someone getting this thing? First John chapter 2, the verse 6, amplify. So we are on giving ourselves to the Lord. Giving ourselves to the Lord. He says, Whosoever says he abides in him. That means if you profess that you are in Christ, he says, ought as a personal depth. Please think of this. As a personal debt, that means you owe God your life. So he says, whoever says he abides in him, let me add my own version. Whoever says he's a Christian, ought to as a personal debt to walk and conduct himself in the same way in which he, Jesus, walked and conducted himself. This one is not, we are like Christ. We are like Christ. That's one aspect. This one, he says, walk and conduct yourself like him as he did. 
in first peter chapter 2 the verse 21 look at this he says even on for even to this were you called it is inseparable from your vocation for christ also suffered for you leaving you his personal example so that you should follow his footsteps what did christ do he gave himself in suffering what do you do in following the example you give yourself to him i'm working something here And amazingly, in Leviticus chapter 6, the verse 8, God said to them, the fire in the altar must never go out. <laughs> this is incredible. Look, he says, command Aaron. So this was a command. And his son saying, this is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon the altar. What? all night until unto the morning and the fire of the altar shall what be burning in it now come to the verse 13 13 look he says the fire shall what ever be burning upon the altar it shall what never go out you know what that means it means your christian life must ever be burning Do you know how Paul puts it? Romans chapter 12, the verse 11 in Amplified. Paul quoted the same Old Testament in the, in the New Version. Look, he says, never lack in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the spirit serving the Lord. God says the fire must not go out. Let me tell you something. The reason why you are struggling with your Christian life today is because you have no fire. You have quenched it. Listen, without fire, eh, the offering is useless. Without fire in your Christian life, you can't offer yourself to the Lord. Because the offering must burn. The offering cannot burn in a cold ground. You didn't get this thing listen if you're a believer who doesn't pray your offering will be cold you choose when you go to church <laughs> you don't stay among believers who are also on fire you see fire catch fire you don't stay around people who handle the grace and the fire your life you will be cold so it is your god said god didn't say i will keep the fire burning he says command Aaron himself to keep the fire burning so you must keep the fire burning your life when god sees you disciplining yourself he gives you grace it comes with discipline it comes with the price to keep that fire ever burning listen for you to offer yourself holy to God as a bent offering 
you must come to this realization that you are not your own. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Look, he says, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You see, the problem with the church is ownership. We feel we belong to us. We feel that our body is for us, so we, we do what we want to do with it. It's a wrong mindset. You can't think this way and have victorious Christian life. He says, you are not your own. You must realize it, that you are not you. You know what that means? Your time is not your own. You can't choose to watch movies for 12 hours. Because your time is your life. You beg, okay. I forgive. Giving ourselves to the Lord means we give our time to Him. See, giving yourself is not kneeling down. Like, I give myself away. Bomiki. Hey, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Oh, I give myself away so you can use me. Then you get up from the floor, you clean your leg. Jesus, I love you. Let me teach you how you should sing it, the way you are behaving. I give my mouth away. Oh. Because that's what you are doing. It's your lips you are giving to him. To give yourself to the Lord, number one means you give your time to him. Please, I want to help you. So that you can fully present yourself to the Lord. It means you give your time to him. Because when we talk of life, we talk about time. Time is life. Number two, to give yourself to the Lord is to give your talent to him. That means your gifts. You present it to him. You offer it to him. Every gift you have belongs to God because he gave it to you. You give it to him. And no human personality can steal it away from you. you. You must guard it for the Lord. What did we have that we did not receive? There are some of you, that appointment letter has terminated your life. Because you are too busy than the one who gave you the job. Number three, it means you give to your treasure to the Lord. 
to give yourself to the Lord is to give your treasure to him when I talk of your treasure your valuables your money your possessions so it's not it's not lips it's not I give myself away it means you give your time you give your talent you give your treasures to him are you following this number four you give your temple to him what's your temple your body thank you sir that means you can't abuse your body you can't mismanage it you're only a steward of this body you are carrying that body to someone who is not married to you is illegal forex trading I, I'm, I'm telling you it's illegal forex trading because that body is not yours what are you using it for I'm teaching good here it means to give your relationship to him there are some of you the day you had a boyfriend should I continue or I should linger around or I should go the day you had a girlfriend the day you had a boyfriend that was the day your prayer life ended When it's time to, your salary comes and it's time to remove your 10% for the Lord. You look at it and say, Ready? Father. You have given your relationship into the hands of KFC. Jesus is waiting for you in heaven. I'm teaching good though. <laughs> it means to give your leadership to him that's the next one you give your leadership to him every role you are playing is a leadership role you give it to him it means you serve as unto the Lord and not unto man so to give your temple to God means your, your thoughts must be influenced by the Lord his word must influence your thoughts. You can't think what you want to think. You can write this down. Selfishness is the killer of the cross life. Selfishness. To give yourself to the Lord means you come to the place where you lose yourself. when you get to the place where you find it difficult giving up something for the lord it means you haven't conquered that thing that thing is still in charge of your life i had to give my car to conquer my desire for car now i cannot give any car at all because I conquered it. 
listen the Christian life costs I'm telling you the truth it's expensive it's not just shouting glory 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 it's expensive what's I said <laughs> it's expensive it is very difficult to serve God in these last days and if you're a Christian who doesn't have discernment you will lose your Christian life I'm telling you this because you can be so busy with very good reasons see you can find a good reason why you don't pray you can find a good reason why you don't go for service but when believers understand the word sacrifice if it does not cost you it's not it's not a sacrifice it doesn't cost you every sacrifice costs you think it was easy using your transportation to board a car to come here <laughs> it will cost you something when everybody's asleep you wake up to start praying and interceding it's a sacrifice because see a sacrifice is what few people would do others would not do it is sacrifices that separates the men from the boys that's how we give ourselves we sacrifice time our treasure our temple our leadership our relationship we surrender it to God number two grain offering I wish I could brush this thing but it's impossible another name for the grain offering is what we call the meat offering or the wheat the, the meal offering or the cereal offering forgive me for this message you will have to go and listen to it two or three times now the word meal offering or grain offering is from the hebrew word minka which is m-i-n-c-h-a-h minka minka the word minka means to bestow or a donation or a gift that's the grain offering or the meal offering or the meat offering I'm going to see if I'm, I, I'll read from a little from the book so that I can whet your appetite to go and get it some of you no matter how we whet your appetite you still you won't get it but it's well hallelujah are you following this the green offering was the second offering now this particular offering was never made with blood it was cereals follow now Leviticus chapter 2 the verse 1 look he says and when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord his offering shall be of fine flour and he shall pour oil upon it and put frank incense thereon I'm, I'm going to explain this you love it as you, you see what you are reading now is called mystery it's called what mystery it's called shadow 
or drama. He says, you're good. how are you going to prepare it? With fine flour. Number two, you mix it with what? Oil. Then you add what? Frankincense. Next verse. He says, and he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest, and he shall take thereout his handful of the flour and of the oil thereof with the frankincense thereof and the priest shall bend the memorial of it upon the altar and it shall be an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the lord next verse he says and the remnant of the meat offerings shall be aaron's and his sons it is a theme most holy of the offerings of the lord made by fire don't worry i'll explain them soon he says and if thou bring an oblation of meat offering baking in the oven note that baking in the oven so the first one is oven it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil or or unleavened wafers anointed with oil next verse he said and if thy oblation be a meat offering baking in so the first one was what oven second was pan all right it shall be of fine flour on living mingled with what oil next verse he says thou shalt part it in pieces and pour oil therein and the meat offering uh-huh he says and if thy oblation be of a meat offering baking in so there is the oven the pan and the frying pan all right then he said it shall be made of fine flour with oil look at the next verse and thou shalt bring the meat offering that is made of the things unto the lord and when it is presented unto the priest it shall bring it to the altar look at the next verse he says and the priest shall take it from the meat offering and memorial thereof and shall burn it upon the altar it is an offering made by fire of a sweet silver unto the lord next verse he says and that which is left on the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons it is a thing most holy of the offerings made unto the lord come to the verse 30. now watch he says and every oblation of thy meat offering shall thou season with salt season with what salt so there's another ingredient called what salt neither shall thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy god to be lacking from the meat offering with all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt let me explain now so let me let you put some few notes down what was the purpose of the grain offering can write it down the purpose of the grain offering was to express thanksgiving in recognition of god's provision and unmerited favor towards the mess the person making the sacrifice you can just shorten it it was to express thanksgiving in recognition of god's goodness So it was a it was an offering that was seen as a gift in honor of god's kindness so that offering remember is minka which means a donation or a gift are you following good so when they brought that offering to the priest the priest pours that offering into the altar that is already burning and then he offers it to god as a sweet smelling savour. are you following but God said to them, come to the verse 11 of that same chapter. Look. No, no, not that one. It's chapter 2. Look. 
God gave them a warning. Watch. He says, No meat offering which ye shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with what? Living. For ye shall burn no living, nor any honey in any offering of the Lord made by fire. This is interesting. Can we proceed? Now, this particular offering, how did Christ fulfill it? This offering was to express the perfect humanity of Jesus Christ. The perfect humanity of Jesus Christ to the point of death. So whilst the burnt offering signifies Jesus offering himself as a burnt sacrifice to the Lord, the grain offering was actually picturing the sinless humanity of Jesus. I'll explain soon. It pictures how Jesus became God's gift and donation for salvation. Are you following? So now, let me give you another summary that will help you. God said in this particular grain offering, you get fine flour, not just flour, fine flour. You mix the flour with what? With what? Please follow. Watch me. You mix it with what? Oil and frankincense and salt. Then you take it through a preparation period of baking. Now, what is the purpose of the fine flour? Remember, fine flour is made from wheat that has been grounded. In John chapter 12, the verse 24, Jesus said, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, referring to him, he was the wheat. It is out of wheat that has been grounded into powder, we have fine flour. The flour is not just flour, but what? Fine flour. When flour is fine, that means when you pass your hands through it, it is smooth. There are no particles in it. There are no unevenness. It is what? Smooth. You know what that represents? Jesus Christ was fine. You couldn't find any trace of particle in him that was not perfect. He was smooth. His life was fine. <laughs> Felix, you are not fine. <laughs> Shall we proceed, man? Number two. So Jesus was fine. Flour in the Bible, you can write it down. Flour in the Bible signifies humanity. the joy of the holy ghost we'll, we'll understand praise god flying the bible signifies what humanity that means the human life of jesus was fine it was perfect it wasn't rough number two god says mix it with oil what does oil represent in the bible the holy spirit that means jesus was filled with the holy ghost he was full of the holy ghost in Acts chapter 10 verse 13, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. So Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 4, Luke 4, he was full of the Holy Ghost. Are you following? 
Then God said, add frankincense. Mix that one too. It is all picturing Jesus. Flour means, fine flour means what? His humanity was fine. You couldn't trace any bad particle or unevenness in his life. You couldn't trace. He was blameless. Fine. Number two, he was full of the Holy Ghost mixed with oil. Number three, you add frankincense. Frankincense signifies three main things. Now, remember when Jesus was born, wise men from the east came to visit him and they presented three gifts. The first one was gold. Second was what? Myrrh. Third was what? Frankincense. Now, many of you think it was just a gift that was being given to Jesus. It was actually a mystery being revealed. Gold in the Bible signifies divinity because nobody can create gold. You can only discover it. God cannot be created. He can only be discovered. So gold signifies that which is divine and God is divine. So the gold that was given to Jesus was to present that Jesus was divine. He was God. Number two, myrrh means tearful affliction or agony. In fact, it's believed that Mer contains a certain chemical called soporific influence, which is actually used to preserve dead bodies. <laughs> Praise God. So, Mer signifies suffering or agony. It is used to embalm dead bodies. So, the Mer given to Jesus was to prove that though he is God, God, he will go through agony and die. The third gift was frank incense. Frank incense when burnt rises to heaven. Resurrection. So the gold male frank incense represents that Jesus is God. Gold. He will go through suffering and die. Male. And he will rise on the third day. Frank incense. And his offering will be fully pleased the Lord. So frank incense signifies resurrection. Number two. Frankincense signifies prayer. David said in Psalm 141, the verse 2, Let my prayer be as incense unto you. Watch. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. So, frankincense also signifies prayer, which is to picture that Jesus Christ had a beautiful prayer life. Frankincense also signifies a sweet smelling fragrance that is pleasing that means the life of jesus was pleasing to god so remember he says i'm the resurrection of the, and the life he had a prayer life and his life was well pleasing frankincense it was mixed to it are we am i teaching you this the, the humanity of jesus his life all in this offering fine flour his life was fine mixed with what oil he was full of the holy ghost Mixed with what again? Frank incense. He was the resurrection and the life. He had a prayer life. And what? His life was pleasing to God. Then fourthly, you add salt. Now, salt does two things. It kills and it preserves. Salt kills gems. Yet it preserves so salt signifies the killing power of the cross and the life-giving effect of the cross so now what did the cross kill it terminated the power of sin and it preserves the man who believes in it (laughs) 
ile frasusa nana ah 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 okay so the salt was mixed in it that means jesus christ carried in him the ability that would terminate death and sin and then he carried the ability in him to preserve a man that believes in jesus when salt preserves it preserves for a long time he carried eternal life and the bible mentioned in the the, the account we read in leviticus he called it the salt of the covenant it was referring to the new covenant the salt is for preservation that means he was speaking of the eternalness of the new covenant in which jesus was going to rot with his blood the new covenant was established in him and it is forever and he's the mediator and god said don't add two elements living and honey what does living signify number one living signifies sin malice or wickedness i'll give you some scriptures first corinthians chapter 5 the verse 8 look he says therefore let us keep the feast with no old living neither with living of malice and wickedness so living signifies what sin wickedness malice something that is evil so god said that every bread that was baked in israel was supposed to be what unliving bread that means the bread must be without sin and god said don't add living to it living also signifies hypocrisy luke chapter 12 the verse 1 luke 12 1 look he says in so much that they trod upon him uh, upon one another he began to say unto his disciples first of all beware of the living of the pharisees which is hypocrisy so living signifies malice wickedness evil sin and what hypocrisy living also signifies false doctrine matthew 16 12. they then understood they how that he bid them not beware of the living of bread but of the doctrine of the pharisees in the context it was referring to their false doctrine so living signifies sin malice wickedness hypocrisy and false doctrine and god says don't add it to it you know what it means jesus christ was without sin was without wickedness was without hypocrisy he was without false doctrine it was not part of his life and god said don't add honey honey is sweet but god says don't add it do you know that though honey is sweet it goes through fermentation the honey you eat is sweet but it is that which has undergone fermentation so honey actually has a negative connotation in spiritual understanding honey signifies natural life or that which represents death because anything that ferments dies god says don't add it honey also represents vain glory proverbs 25 27 watch that he says it is not good to eat much honey for he says so for men to search their own glory is not glory so honey signifies vain glory it also signifies the flesh because the flesh may have a certain appearance 
of spirituality yet that spirituality in the flesh is dead honey is sweet but it undergoes fermentation and decay and death that means the life of Jesus did not have flesh in it honey represents natural things or things done in the flesh natural abilities Jesus did nothing in the flesh he outlived his humanity supernaturally in the deadness not in the deadness and rottenness of the flesh he was not influenced by the flesh so honey was not included now please follow this teaching well is someone getting the thing so we are not decoding we are not decoding leviticus god said you get fine flour the life of jesus was fine mix it with what oil jesus was full of the holy ghost add what frank incense representing his prayer life his resurrection life and what his life well pleasing to god god says add salt representing what his preservation power and his termination power then now he says don't add living that means jesus was without sin he lived a holy and upright life he says don't want honey that means jesus did not live in the flesh are you following god says when you mix it now you're going to bake it into cake and into bread before you offer it and when you bake it you are going to bake it in three different forms number one in the oven number two in the pan number three in the frying pan now let me explain when you are baking the thing it it what makes it fire so these three dimensions were dimensions of the sufferings of jesus they were representing the degrees or the extent to which he suffered when he took our sins and i'll explain look at these three things frying pan does not have a cover it is open everybody can see the pan is partially covered so you can see partially and the oven is totally covered so you can see it so one is totally open the other is what partially opened the other is completely hidden it was to represent the degrees of suffering jesus suffered spirit soul and body in his spirit was the oven we couldn't see what happened to him in his spirit the pan partially open we saw a bit of what he went through in his soul when he says my soul is exceedingly sorrowful what we saw which was a frying pan was what happened to him in his body everybody saw it by his stripes we saw him weeping we saw all these things were physical things now the one that was open to us what was, was what we saw jesus suffer in his physical body but listen the suffering of jesus went beyond the physical body you saw that was completely battered and tattered it was beyond the whips he soft listen jesus suffered spirit soul body you need to write this down maybe today you might be hearing it for the first time jesus did not just suffer in the body because if the seriousness of the suffering of jesus was in his physical body i can tell you people suffered more than him the army commander that died two years ago what's his name mahama he suffered more than jesus 
that same crucifixion Jesus died there was another thief who died the same thing so the physical affliction Jesus went through it was beyond because there were people who suffered the same thing crucifixion was already there before Jesus came so the suffering Jesus went through was beyond mere physical affliction it was spirit soul and body he suffered in his soul I'm telling you it, it, that was what made him sweat blood how do you sweat blood we call that hematidrosis when your your blood capillaries burst into your sweat gland where your blood capillaries are they when they burst and they enter into your sweat gland you begin to sweat blood it does not happen that is when you are under mental serious agony and torture it can happen and it happened to jesus his blood capillaries burst because of the pressure in his soul it was part of the suffering that one we saw it partially but the real thing the real suffering of jesus that wrought our salvation we didn't see it it was spiritual and it is only with the spectacle of the holy ghost that we can see it and one man of god are you ready with the video one man of god did his best to make us see what happened to him spiritually and i want to try my best for you to watch this video just in five minutes so that you appreciate what it means by Jesus suffers spirit, soul, and body. Are you ready? How did you feel? He did this for us, man. He did this for us. This is what we didn't see. What's going on spiritually. How demons were tormenting him. They were mocking him. In the realms of the spirit, all the demons left hell. They guarded at where the Son of God was dying. They were making mockery of him. That's a spiritual aspect of the suffering of Jesus that we didn't see. Because it was in the oven of the spirit. That is why I preach Christ with so much passion. Because such work cannot be underestimated. No wonder Paul's warned to be warned to me if I do not preach the gospel. He underwent suffering, spirit soul body for us and what is our response how does this revelation how, what does it mean to us remember the flower is fine that means today in response to God our lives must be fine mingled with oil we must be full of the spirit with frankincense, we must have a prayer life. And we must live a life that is well pleasing to God. It must be mingled with salt. No wonder Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. 
you must be able to preserve lives of perishing souls with your saltiness then it was baked your life must be wholly given to God you must learn to suffer for Jesus just like Jesus suffered for you the Christianity we have today is painless Christianity painless every normal Christian wants painless Christianity a Christianity doesn't, that doesn't cost listen we will never see the power of God if we don't live the Christian life that was lived by the early church I'm telling you the truth painless Christianity we come to church we preach for 30 minutes some of you wish we can preach 20 minutes so we can close you to go home to go and play soccer Once I want you to say soccer way audition. <laughs> Painless Christianity. Let's come to church. Pastor, say something that will excite us. That will move us from our chair. But don't go too long. When we are done, we'll give you the offering close us quickly let's go we have other matters that's that's the kind of christianity we call to christianity today you think we'll see power if we don't tarry with him everybody's in a hurry to go and do what he wants to do we can't tarry with him so the life you are living as christians doesn't cost us again the early church sold their properties for the gospel to expand there was so much power that the shadow of Peter was healing the sick and today our entire presence is doing nothing I'm disturbed and he says there must be no living or honey that means that we must live a life without sin someone says it's impossible you are lying it is possible to live above sin it is possible to live above sin understand these things the power of sin the penalty of sin the presence of sin repentance from sin and dominion over sin I wish I had time to explain you must graduate from the place where you are always repenting from sin to the place where you, you exercise dominion over sin it is possible he says sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law but under grace no living should be added he says no honey that means we must take carnality out of our lives there is so much carnality in the church today carnality it was not supposed to be mingled with that offering we cannot offer our lives to the Lord Jesus with carnality mingled in it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, look at what Paul said. He says, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So they are baby Christians. Look at the next verse. What qualifies a Christian to be a baby? He says, For I fed you with what? Milk and not with meat. He says, For hitherto you were not able to bear it neither yet now are ye able look at the next verse 
he says for are ye yet canal for whereas there is among you what envying what strife and division are ye not canal and walk as men that means the christian is not a man he's not a mere man but carnality can make you walk as a mere man that means the reason why we are not seeing power is because we are walking like men he says don't add honey there should be no honey found in a christian life honey is carnality envy strife division fight everywhere go to the basic every normal church one thing you find there is fighting you think we can see power forget about it we will never see power because we the church can't tolerate each other we can't cover each other's sins we can't be there for each other we don't have a big heart for anybody we can't see power we can't we must leave the power of the fullness of the spirit and carnality cannot be mingled we can't you find believers praying two hours with bitterness in their heart against their fellow believer and they are bitter hatred unforgiveness in our hearts it cannot be mingled in that life Christians who have harbored pain in their heart against others for for how long for how long we want to experience revival revival first begins from us before it enters the entire church until your heart is personally revived towards the Lord you let pain go out of your heart we won't see glory we won't I wish that the Lord check my heart scan my heart search my heart because I want my heart to be right with you because many of us are joking with our Christian life we can easily live anyhow and still be comfortable and I wonder our fathers and mothers did not have any revelation but they had the fear of God which is one power the church has lost today. We don't fear God. We don't fear God. It's not the fear we run away from Him. It's the reverence we give to Him. That will not make us do what doesn't honor Him. That's the fear. You cannot enter a hotel with a married man. You must fear God. You must fear God. There are some things... You 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 must not cannot do because you fear him you give him so much respect and recognition in your life that you fear to do it i'm helping you we want to see glory we want to see jesus manifest in our lives guys it will cost you a certain level of consecration holy to the Lord what we live for him A.W. Tosa said I want, I want to love Jesus more than anybody on this earth when I, when I saw that in his book I got envious how can a man say this 
he had a program somewhere and he spent time praying to an extent that he forgot himself he was enjoying so much fellowship he forgot himself his time to preach was over and later on he came he said sorry i had other important businesses that was his time with the lord i'm embarrassed about what we call christianity today i'm embarrassed and you know the challenging thing we don't see anything wrong and that is the problem we 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 don't see anything wrong and listen unto the generation that wants to see god's glory begin to see what is going wrong and begin to cry to god and begin to walk in god's word we won't see certain things happen i'm telling you because you yourself you don't even know what is going on you are not unhappy about your christian life you are not unhappy many of you will see me and you think that this man has got it there i weep because i've not gotten anywhere and i'm still yearning for more every single time i just lie down i said lord we want more my generation has lost you we profess the faith but we deny the power I don't think I can preach again. I don't think so. Oh, they help us. We must be ashamed that we are not serving God. People died for this Bible you are reading today. People died, shed their blood. And we are in the comfort of our homes. I'm ashamed, Lord. That we'll sit in the same trotro with somebody. We can't tell him Jesus loves him. We can't read our Bible to remember, but we can remember offenses. Lord, help your church. I'm included, Lord. Help us. Please be concerned about your spiritual life because I'm concerned about mine. I'm concerned. 